So hello, everyone. Welcome to All Bound Awesomeness, brought to you by Impressive Solutions. Uh, I am your host, Julie Ewald, the Chief Everything Officer for Impressive Solutions, and I am here with Chris Tweeten. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Doing good. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Happy to be here. No, happy to have you. So today, uh, Chris and I are going to be talking about some good search engine optimization awesomeness. Uh, For those of you who don't know Chris, Chris Tweeten is the CMO and founder of Spacebar Collective, a Vancouver Island-based SEO agency. If you want to find Chris, you can find him on Twitter, you can find him on LinkedIn, or you can visit him at the Spacebar Collective website. So, Chris, we know who you are. We know who to find you, where to find you, I should say. Um, Want to give me some more information about Spacebar Collective and what kind of folks you work with? Sure thing. Yeah, we're an ethical SEO agency, like I said, based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. Uh, we're actually in Nanaimo, which is just a short ferry away from Vancouver. Um, we really excel in content ops and backlink building at scale. So we mostly work with SaaS uh, B2B SaaS, especially, and then a bit, we're dipping our toes into home services. So stuff like roofing and plumbing, that sort of stuff. So I know you're the CMO and I wonder if it's your kind of, your role is a little similar to mine. I say I'm chief everything officer because I have my hands still in a lot of pies. So what does your role look like? So it's the tasks are split pretty evenly across the board between myself and my partner. I run this agency with my wife. Um, she handles content operations and I'm over on the backlink building side of things. Um, we also like you dip our toes into many other things wearing other hats. So she handles HR, I handle growth and sales. And how long have you been doing this? Um, we launched our agency just a year ago, a bit over a year ago. We launched in December, 2021. Kudos. So, so far so good. Yeah, it's been smooth sailing so far, and we've been scaling um, quite a bit. We turned down an acquisition last year as well. Um, So things are looking really up for us. Oh, love it. Good to hear. So we'll pivot a little bit. For those who don't know what search engine optimization is, and I'm assuming most of our listeners do, but for the newbies out there, how would you describe SEO? Search engine optimization, it's like, it's an art. It's a pseudoscience. I'm not going to call it quite a science because there's a lot of guesswork and working with gut feelings. Um, but it's basically just trying to improve a website and its presence online to appear better in search engines. Um, the simple answer is we make websites appear better on Google. Um, you know, maybe things will shift. Maybe in the future we'll have to work more with Bing, but obviously Google's the main player here. Um, when a website pops up on the first page, we're trying to get them to appear for when someone searches for a keyword related to their business. So for example, like we've produced blog content for instantly that allows them to appear in search results for stuff like email warm up, sales pitch examples, and then like various email outreach terms. Oh, fantastic. So SEO is something that most businesses, most organizations, pretty much anyone with a website needs. So for folks who are looking for some SEOs to help them out, you know, how do you choose? There's a lot of SEOs out there. What should people be looking for? 
Yeah, I mean, first off, there's a lot of agencies versus freelancers. Like if you just brought in a consultant and wanted to learn it and like implement their suggestions on your own, that is an option. Um, but generally speaking, if you want to work with an agency um, or a consultant, you want to find people who have a proven track record in ranking websites that are similar to your business or similar to your scenario. So for example, if you notice that your traffic has been falling off recently, um, you might want to find someone who specializes in traffic recovery or has experience in that. Um, case studies are like a huge win for SEO agencies trying to get new clients. So, you know, look for those if they're available. Um, if not, just ask for examples of companies in your field that they've worked on. That It doesn't necessarily have to be directly in your field because, you know, maybe it's not the greatest thing to look for an agency representing your competitor. Um but something like that could help out if, if they have case studies or just examples of um, their experience in your field. Yeah, and that's something that's really important. You know, I think a lot of folks forget to ask for case studies, which seems kind of silly. But I know even for the folks that we work with, it's n we don't have people asking us to see case studies as often as I would think, which is a little shocking. Be able to have that proof. Uh, is really dang important. Yeah, we um I'm in a similar position where it's not maybe like half the clients I talk to or potential clients in sales calls I talk to ask for case studies. Um and we're such a young agency, so we don't have many. Um we have great sample work we can share, so that's something we can share where it's like, okay, we produce this blog content, we built up these backlinks. And um, here's what we can do for your company. Here's the results so far. But we don't have like written case studies uh, developed for our agency yet. Well, you know, just just give it some time. We can start building up more. You know, it's uh, we have a lot of them after almost 11 years. So yeah, <laughs> you'll start banking them before you know it. We're barely a year old, so it's it's going to take some more time, especially with SEO and things like take six to 12 months to see results. Yeah, and that's a really important point. For search engine optimization, it's not something where, you know, it's not like running ads where you basically start the ad and turn on the tap. Uh, organic SEO does take time before you start actually, you know, reaping the rewards of those efforts. Yeah, especially if you're starting a new site from scratch. But, you know, if you have an established website, there's going to be easy wins to look for. Uh, we have some clients where it took us just a few weeks to double their traffic. And those things are possible, but they're very situational. Very much so. So to kind of take it back to picking the right SEO for you, what makes Spacebar different from the others out there? Well, we don't really have any secret sauce in what we do. Um, I've been very transparent about that with clients and even just talking publicly about building our agency. But our differentiating factor is that we just execute on fundamentals really well and we built up processes so that it's scalable. Um, I come from a SaaS startup background working in CMO roles, so both of us really understand the importance of creating processes that can work for you know, a smaller campaign, but also a larger campaign. So like when a client is ready to increase their budget, we can really sprint. Um, I have one client where we started out the first month, we built 12 backlinks for them, and uh, three months later, we're doing 60 backlinks a month for them. and um, we don't really have to change much in our process. We just like amped up the amount of resources we put into different processes. 
Now, that's fantastic. And one of the things as you were speaking that I thought of um, when you were doing your intro, we were talking, you talked about being an ethical uh, SEO. And I think that one thing that's important for folks to know about is the difference between, you know, white hat, black hat, gray hat, because especially when it comes to not to knock, knock freelancers, I come from that background myself, but there are some folks who are doing non-ethical SEO practices to try to, you know, gain some quick wins or try to game the system. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what the difference is with ethical SEO? Right. So, I mean, not everything we do is white hat or like across the board, white hat. Um, there are things that we do that take on a higher risk profile. But for us, ethical SEO means we're going to communicate that risk profile to our clients. We're going to communicate the exact methodology we're using and just have full transparency on the methods we're using. So for example, we have clients who they really want to scale up their guest blogging quicker than what is normally possible. So we look for opportunities that are paid. Now, paid guest post placements aren't fully above board. They are against Google guidelines. Um, but so long as you understand the risk profile and the different processes we take to mitigate that risk, um, I believe that is ethical SEO, so long as the client is okay with the methods we're using. And I think that's really important is having, you know, educating and informing, you know, the clients you work with. Um, that way there's no surprises, but they're also looped into the methods and really understand, you know, how you're representing them out there into the world. So. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So just to kind of, kind of end the same train, actually, you know, there are some mistakes that companies make when it comes to search engine optimization. Uh, what are some of these common mistakes that you've been stumbling across? Well, the biggest one I see is like people just not putting enough time and effort into their hiring processes, um, especially when it comes to hiring writers. Um, we use like a combo of tech and strategic planning to win over talented writers. Um, the biggest thing here is like everyone thinks they can write. So the talent pool is hard to navigate. And it's oftentimes that people will get an initial first batch of content from a writer and it's great. And then it falls off or, you know, you discover they're using AI to generate it all. And it's just like lower quality than expected. Um, we use like work hello as our go-to platform for hiring. It just allows us to assess and test writers from like a very large pool of candidates. Um, and then we kind of just cherry pick the perfect fits our clients. So like if we landed a new client in HR tech, we hire writers with experience and passion for HR. That's part of our hiring process. We ask like, what types of projects do you enjoy writing about the most? And what things are you not comfortable writing in? So, you know, I have some writers who are amazing at B2B SaaS. Um, and then because of personal or religious reasons, they won't write a, about anything alcohol or gambling related. So I have clients that are in food and they have like all these blogs on cocktail recipes. And I have to assign writers that are very suited for that. Finding the right writer can be really tough. So I appreciate you go through that vetting process, uh, particularly now with the proliferation of AI. I know I just went, attended a really great webinar this week from the Content Marketing Institute about uh, chat GPT and comparing that to like human created content. You know, it's uh, it doesn't quite have the same soul yet. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... 
unless you're like really talented at building out prompts and you're doing things modular uh, where you're generating like a sentence or two at a time or a short paragraph. Um, yeah, just I, I really disagree with people who are doing like one shot blog articles from a prompt. It just doesn't work the same. Yeah, it just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit the same at all. So in terms of SEO activities that can be beneficial, aka the non-mistakes, um, is there a single SEO activity that seems to make more of a difference than other things? Or the one thing to start with if someone's, you know, wants to start doing SEO for their organization? Right. It's, it's really hard to narrow it down just to one task. Uh, what I would say is like, it's all very situational. You kind of need it all. Um, so it's all about whatever your starting point is. So we like to boil it down to like two main tasks in our deliverables as content production and then backlink building. So according to Google, to be considered a topical authority on any, any topic at all, uh, you need kind of like a base library of 30 pages before it, they consider you an authority. Um, so if you don't have that blog content, that's something I would work on first. And then afterwards, I'd work on building backlinks to that content if it's like indexed and ranking, even if it's ranking poorly. The idea here is like producing content will widen the net of total keywords that you can rank for. And then backlinks will speed up the process of getting you to page one. You, you said something that I want to follow up with really quick about um, building the backlinks. Um, you know, we talked about backlinks a little bit. Would you have any tips for how to, you know, organically, you know, garner backlinks? Right. Um, the easiest way, like, okay, I would start out as talking to any kind of business partners that you have, any strategic partnerships. Um, getting into a partner page is going to be a good starting base for you. Another is local citations. So if you're a small business, um, build up your Google Maps profile, your Apple Maps, Yelp, whatever is relevant to you in business directories will help. Um, if you're in SaaS, you don't really have that option, but there are directories that work for you um, that kind of go underrepresented in SEO for B2B SaaS. So for example, get yourself listed on all the software review sites, Crunchbase, and directories as well. So Crunchbase, G2, Captera, um, these all provide like DR80 to 90 backlinks that are do follow. So they do move the needle when you're first starting out. And then beyond that, I would start guest blogging. Guest blogging is going to be the best thing you can do um, because people want high quality content. If you can write content that is on par or better than what they're already producing, it's kind of a win-win. Like personally, I have websites where I publicly say, like, I do not accept guest posts. I don't at all. But if someone pitches me and like the topic is the right fit, I'll take it. Yeah, very, very much so. And I think one of the things that are important to remember, you know, with with backlink building as well, um, and guest posting particularly, is just making sure that that relevance is there. Uh, we've worked in we've worked in the past with SEOs who got a little fast and loose, and all of a sudden you have you know a a healthcare SaaS company, you know, with an article on a I don't know an entertainment website, and it just has <laughs> a little head scratchy. So making sure the the relevance there is really important too. Relevancy on the overall site and then also on a per topic level. It's super important. 
Yeah, very much. So when it comes then to selecting keywords, uh, keyword research, while it seems really easy and straightforward, it's not necessarily, you know, as easy and straightforward as it seems. So do you have any tips for targeting and leveraging the right terms? Right. So on a basic level, you have to really just truly believe and accept that if you have better content, you can outrank um, more authoritative sites. So once you gather that concept and you're okay with that, you have to look past just the surface level metrics that like Ahrefs or SEMrush gives you keyword difficulty, traffic potential. Yes, these are important things, but they're not the end all be all. So what I would do is I look at the first page of the search result, uh, search engine result page, and then I just assess if it's realistic for your site to compete based on those metrics in Ahrefs. So look at the total number of backlinks, look at the DR of domain rating of these sites. Um, and then the other thing is look at the chart that shows who's been ranking top 10 and just see if it's very volatile. Like if it's just like flat lines across the board, it's probably really difficult to compete on that, even if you have quality content. But if you see like a bunch of people going in and out and going up and down, um, that means there is wiggle room there. So follow up question. What do you do if you have a client that wants to rank for something that there is just absolutely no way they're going to break through? How do you break the news to them? Um, well, that's the thing. I don't because we work with backlink building at scale. That's like a huge staple of our company. Um, so for example, I have a client right now. They're, they have a, a suite of photo editing tools that are going for really insanely competitive keywords all above keyword difficulty of like 80. They're competing with sites like Canva, um, Adobe. Like it's it's ridiculous on paper, but then you look at it and then look and see how many backlinks are actually needle moving backlinks for those pages. And it's just a matter of time and enough resources to build backlinks for them. It's not going to be as like, Again, it's a situational win. So if you, they didn't have the budget for this, it's just not going to be possible for them. And that's when I'd break the news. Like, okay, you know what? You don't have the resources to compete in this field. No, and I think that's a that's a good way to put it. We've had a few times um, ourselves working with folks that had kind of eyes bigger than their wallets in terms of some of the things they wanted to rank for. And it's not a fun conversation to, you know, let let a small startup know that unless they, you know, really bring, uh, you know, turn, you know, their pockets inside out and get all the, uh, the last penny out, there's no way they're going to compete with the New York Times. Did you know that I'm an author? That's right. I have a new book out, The Inbound Marketing Machine. Unlock the secrets to B2B marketing strategies that convert. While marketing teams struggle to agree on what strategy actually looks like, this book gives you a holistic framework for content creation and distribution that converts more contacts, nurtures more leads, and benefits the bottom line. Get your copy exclusively on Amazon. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free today. In terms of uh, some... SEO trends or even content marketing trends. What are you seeing that you're excited about? Oh, I wouldn't be an SEO if I didn't talk about AI in this field. Um, I'm really excited to watch, like, even now how the SEO landscape has been changing with generative AI platforms. 
uh, ChatGPT and Jasper in particular have already changed. You know, it's changed the hiring market. It's changed um, quite a bit of things. It kind of pushed for the helpful content update to come out. Um, Google wasn't necessarily punishing AI content specifically, but punishing low quality content. But, you know, it just so happens a lot of this AI content is low quality. Um, Bing and Bard are really exciting as well. Um, it's it's really interesting. Like lots of quality websites are going to die out, um, especially websites that answer queries that can be answered by AI. So, you know, I look forward to not having to read thousand word articles that don't tell me when a TV show comes back on air, for example, or, you know, what day of the week does a TV show air so I can just download it and I don't have to sift through page one results and not get my answer. Yeah, I think, you know, while a lot of people are a little scared about what AI brings or, you know, a little worried about the uncertainty, I think overall for marketers and also just for the folks that we engage with, you know, the people who are actually searching for things, it's going to be really beneficial um, and really helpful, even if people are a little nervous about it right now. Especially if you're in B2B, like it's only going to drive, like if content quality across the board on the internet is lowered because of AI, the result of that is backlinks are going to become more powerful. Um, SEO is going to become a more expensive service because it's going to get harder, but those who can do it are really going to thrive. Very much so. So on the other side of the coin, uh, what are some marketing trends or misconceptions that you run into that you wish would just go away? Right. We kind of touched on this already, but the one SEO myth that I really hate seeing is that it takes six months to see or deliver results from SEO. Um, it's usually true for brand new domains, but it's often not the case with older ones or more established sites. Um, there's a lot of quick wins to be made on many sites. Like the most obvious one is like if you're already ranking position six to 11 or even like 11 to 20, um, Going from page one to page two, that's a huge win for many people. Yeah, no, very much so. And there's always those little, those quick wins, even if someone, you know, we've worked with folks that have established domains and they've kind of done all of the wrong things at every juncture. Um, so it's, you know, there's always something, even in the most, I don't want to say the most dire circumstance, it's not that bad, but there always is something to start turning it around quickly. It's always so like, like my heart breaks a bit when I see a company has made like a $50,000 mistake on their SEO or something, just putting resources into techniques that like are outdated or just not going to work for their site and I'm trying to fix it for them for like a couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, really, that's all you needed. Yeah, it really is heartbreaking. We've worked with some folks that they've sunk a lot of money just in the completely wrong direction. And it ends up being more expensive sometimes to uh, remedy the situation uh, that they just, you know, blew an entire, you know, quarter's marketing budget on when they've gone the wrong way. So, okay. So as we're wrapping things up, um, my question for you. So as a marketer, um, so Impressive Solutions has been really kind of big at the push to be our own best client. That's why we're doing things like this podcast and been making a lot of video content and trying to double down on social. So I'm always curious about what other marketers are doing to market themselves. So you don't need to get in the weeds, 
but broad strokes, what have you been doing for your own marketing? Right. There's really three channels for our agency. And like part of that is because our website is not functional. It's being produced right now. Um, a year in, we decided, hey, we need a working website. So inbound marketing hasn't been a huge part of what we do, but referrals from existing clients and from any kind of business partners. So I have like backlink partners where we trade contacts for guest blogs um, and leads have come out of that. Some high paying clients have come out of that. Um, and then we do a bit of social media marketing, but it's really like just being active, networking on Twitter and then repurposing Twitter content to LinkedIn. Um, I find there's probably a wider net we could cast by doing video content on YouTube and TikTok. Um, but personally, I just like doing text format content. So we stick with what we're really comfortable with. And then the other aspect is doing PR. So we're doing like podcasts like yours. We're doing public speaking. We're writing guest blogs for high profile companies. Um, we did one for like Andreessen Horowitz's site, future.com recently, or not, must've been last year. We have some stuff coming up with like Jasper and Zapier campaign monitor. So that stuff like brings in eyeballs to at least, okay, these people have some expertise and we can get our name out there. That's really exciting. And it's really, it's awesome that especially as a young agency, you're already doing so many of the right things for yourself. Um, I don't want to tell you how long it took us to start investing in being our own best client, but a little longer than I'd be comfortable to share. <laughs> <laughs> Different journeys, for sure. I mean, I this is my third agency I've run. Um, none have gone as well as this, and I've worked in a number of failed startups. So trust me when I say like, the past year is not the starting point for me either. Yeah, no, I'm... You know, overall, Chris, you've been a delight. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to chat. Is there anything anything I missed? I think we covered all bases. It's it's been a really nice chat with you. Yeah, this was fantastic. So, there's uh, again, Chris, uh, CMO and founder of Spark Collective. Find him on Twitter. Find him on LinkedIn. And once the site is back up and running, uh, at spacebarcollective.com. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. And thank you everyone else for listening. 